0: There's the famous footage of the morning after the Brexit referendum votes and it's written up that you and Boris Johnson and Michael Gove, the leaders of the official Leave campaign, were in shock because you hadn't expected to win. What's the truth? What what happened is that we were clear that uh, I would go up to
1: Manchester on my own and uh, on the basis that I would take the result because I didn't want it to be tainted by any Tory leadership. Uh, argument we knew that whatever the result, uh, there would be some debate um, and but I also always used to say to both to Boris and Michael uh, once the referendum is over uh, i'm back on on the labour side and you are on the other side. It is over to you government. What happened on on the night before it, the last conversation we had together is uh, Dom Cummings saying, remember. If the turnout is below 60%, we've won. If it's between 60 and 68, they have won. If it's over 68, we have won again. So for me, uh, the moment was that the, the minute the exit polls came and they said, we're looking at a turnout of 72%, I worked on the assumption that we have won. I think there was quite a shock in terms of what that meant, not least by the utterly, utterly unexpected resignation of David Cameron in the early hours of the morning. So I think whilst they were uncertain about what the outcome would be, it was Cameron's resignation suddenly totally crystallised it. And you could argue it took them just like the the country three and a half years to recalibrate.
0: That recalibration, I mean, there were some tumultuous days after David Cameron resigned and then the Tory leadership contest. What did it feel like watching as Gove famously challenged Boris Johnson then for the leadership and then Boris Johnson quit and then Gove quit as well? Did you worry at that point about the future of Brexit? Yes, I did. Uh,
1: But then I was lulled into an early sense of security by the the miraculous emergence of Theresa May as prime minister. Uh, No general election, no leadership context. She comes in and she says, Brexit means Brexit. Uh, And that was the moment when I and a group of us set up Change Britain and we made our aim to bring Remainers and Leavers together, wanted to do some proper research, know what was going on. And what surprised me is Theresa May was incapable of taking a a national referendum result which was achieved by cross-party work, and make its implementation also a cross-party national enterprise. And the second one, which I really didn't realize, is just how deep the grievance of the Remain voters were, who still to this day will argue that we may have lost. They concede that. Uh, So can, can you leave us now, stop reminding us that we've lost? But they're still absolutely convinced that they were right. And that's the bit where we have to move
0: on from. Would you have offered to help Theresa May in any capacity? Would you have gone in at that point?
1: Oh, yes. Uh, And it wasn't just me. It was people of significantly more important stature uh, who would have been more than willing uh, to say for the period of the implementation, uh, this is something where we work together. But, you know, none of us can jump over our shadows and uh, Wise she is... an extraordinary decent person. Uh, that was the bit just which wasn't in her makeup.
0: And let's look at the deal that Boris Johnson then got, um, you know, elements that were very similar to Theresa May's deal. The terms, were they what you expected? I think it was the, the, the final questions of
1: where the, the decision-making would lie. And to me, and this may sound sort of rather, sort of nerdy point, but... To me, the essence of democracy is that you not just vote for your politicians, but you also vote for their policies. And we've now got a situation where a whole range of policies where we as Westminster politicians had actually become quite lazy. Uh, We hadn't talked about fisheries anymore. We hadn't talked about agriculture. Uh, Even in areas like workers' rights, we were quite happy that to be decided on somewhere else. And that, I felt, A, had to come back to the UK Parliament but also it had to be within the, the voters' remit to make the decisions. So that was right. I'm still slightly worried at the moment uh, of the, the the European Court of Justice uh, at the asking for a right that there should be the arbitrator on the implementation. I think that would be quite wrong and not least that the court in its own mission statement, says it is their duty to further the the, the the deepening and strengthening of the union.
0: So there are still some things on the edges, but broadly speaking, in the right place. And what about the future then? The slogan has been getting Brexit done. We are leaving on the 31st at 11pm. But what should the British, British people be braced for next in the next year? The election on the 12th of December was quite an extraordinary one because uh,
1: what quite clearly happened is that a a lot of people voted for a political party they normally don't vote for. But what you have had is that for the first time you have a conservative party that is not divided over Europe. Uh, it has a governing majority. We have a, a, t- a clear time frame within which decisions have to be made. And also it puts to an end the argument of that the, the the people didn't vote. Didn't know what they voted for in June 2016. They said, yes, A, we knew what we voted for, and, and by the way, we still mean it. And that, I think, gives any government a really big ability uh, to negotiate properly. But, of course, when that happens in tandem with other changes, because, you know, the, the world around us hasn't stopped happening... And there will be some crisis or another happening as they always do. And I think that will test the resilience and the capacity of the government machinery quite significantly.
0: Boris Johnson famously attacked the doomsters and gloomsters. But are there any things where you do have concerns for the future, say the union? Yes, I do. Uh, but what was quite
1: extraordinary in even during the referendum campaign in a Remain and Leave, both offered you visions of the past. And in a sense, you could charge that the Leave said, let's go back beyond 1973. And where his Remain was harking back to the days of the Jacques Delors Commission, which gave us all the social rights in the 80s, which Margaret Thatcher denied us. And there wasn't a looking at the today and the tomorrow. And what I am worried about is that some of the, the unfinished business of devolution in the United Kingdom... Uh, which was started with the first Blair government in 97 when we created the Scottish Parliament. Uh, But England, in a sense, was unfinished business. Uh, We devolved to London, but what about England? That was then compounded by David Cameron's government in 2010, uh, closing down the regional government offices. Why is the city-region idea was re-emerged again. And by the way, I think that is the right way to go. But it didn't give thought to the bits of the country which wouldn't be captured by city regions. So in the West Midlands, what do you do with the Stoke-on-Trents and the, the Stratfords and whole bits of the East Midlands? That means that the unfinished business of devolution with England combined with us leaving the European Union does make me worry that unless we focus on the benefits of the union for the Scotland, the Wales and the Northern Ireland, and by the way, for England, they they are as great a beneficiary of the union as all the others are, then we could almost inadvertently uh, have a crisis in the union which nobody
0: wants. Can we turn to talking about this government uh, in particular? You've worked closely with Dominic Cummings. He's a man in the news quite frequently at the moment, but what's he really like? I really like him uh and i I do recommend
1: uh anybody watching the benedict cumberbatch uh play where whereas I think that everybody else wasn't necessarily portrayed in 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 the in the in the nicest uh light or in the most accurate light uh and that even includes Boris Johnson, but I think uh he got Dom Cummings absolutely right. The thing you've got to remember is that dom Hates lazy people and stupid people, but he contests his own views. People who who say he's difficult to work with, he's challenging to work with, but I didn't find him difficult to work with. He's incredibly focused on delivery. He does not think his ego is more important than outcome, and that's always the big danger with politicians. Uh, I call it the inhaling Uh, when they start thinking that they are more important than the outcome. That's not something which um, Dom suffers from. And uh, I think at the moment he's giving an enormous structure uh, to to the government. And the other thing I would say is when I looked at the team Boris Johnson took with him into Number 10, who had worked together before in vote leave, and these were people who I'd worked with under enormous stress and tensions at times, they were all good people. So I was encouraged in terms of the future just by looking at the team he took, he'd took taken with him.
0: What about the prime minister himself? Uh, you know, How do you think he sees himself and what kind of prime minister does he want to be? There's one thing which everybody tells me, and that is that whatever person you were
1: before you walked through that black door with the lettering 10 on, once you've gone through that, you do change. And... I don't know in, in the sense of how, how he changed, but just looking at it, I think that the thing which was the the the, the playful Boris Johnson, the, the, the one which uh, could sort of just make throwaway remarks because it had just come into his head, that has gone. I think there is a man there who is aware of the responsibilities of being a prime minister but also realizes he could be a very significant prime minister, uh, provided he 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 gets it right. And you you opened this 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 podcast with uh, the moment of when the three of us were together uh, after the referendum, and we were all exceptionally tired and and, and somewhat shell shocked. Uh, we actually hadn't been the three of us together uh, until November the, last year, during the run up of the general election. Uh, when it was a bit of a, a moment of friends reunited. And,
0: uh, you know, rather surprisingly, it it felt good to have the team back together. Are there any prospects for the team getting back together in the future? Will you join the government in any way to do negotiations or as a conservative peer? No, I'm very happy. of uh, I chair Wilton Park, which is an executive
1: agency of the uh, Foreign Office. And my, con- I've got two obsessions, which I continue to work on. And one is keep the union together. And the second one is the development of uh, a foreign policy, which is integrated with our defence strategy and international aid. And I think that's keeping me pretty busy. And are you done with labour? Uh, I think it's more the other way around. Uh, I have not resigned, but they, they they told me that I have, what's the phrase, self-excluded myself. It's sort of even more mysterious process than a Catholic confession. Um I'm currently not a member of the Labour Party now that they have uh, actually stopped collecting the subs. Something which I find really very sad, because the moment I was at my most comfortable was the first term of the Blair government in 97. This was the closest to a continental social democrat I think we ever had in government. And that new Labour was that centre-left party, which currently does not exist in the United Kingdom. And I had anticipated that the Lib Dems would do much better at the general election. I thought that if they go in there as a a, a clear, you know, Remain party because it's it's a strand of British politics that requires to be represented, uh, if they if they reached out to the the, the socially liberal uh, to kind of almost to to the left of what what Labour was, that they would have great attraction. Now that may just be a a reflection of this this last general election was most unusual. But I still think there has to be some realignment on the center-left, and how that will play out will also be influenced by uh, who the Labour Party elects as its next leader.
0: What about the future of the EU itself? What do you think Brexit is going to do to them? What, uh, What hope do you have for where they go now?
1: They have some new tensions which have been caused by the UK's leaving uh, because up until that point the the weight of the northern europeans who tended to be market orientated compared to the southern europeans was pretty much balanced uh, so was the the weight of military capacity and willingness to intervene and be very active in defense policy so so these are kind of new tensions the eu has to consider and there therein lies the, the the battle of the euro countries and the non-euro countries and the battle between France and Germany in terms of the outlook and i think that's why particularly the east europeans your your polands and hungary and the baltic states they are pretty worried and they're worried by the potential that France's vision of, of Europe, which is a much more Mediterranean view, and that Northern Africa are more important in terms of defense than Eastern Europe, will prevail. And if that is the case, then they are, they do have worries and fears. But first and foremost, I think the euro countries have to integrate more deeply, and they have to answer the question of who is the sovereign for the currency. Germany is reluctant and unwilling to be the sovereign, i.e. step in in the case of illiquidity and insolvency. And if Germany doesn't want to do it, then they have to bring about some structural changes.
0: And finally, what will you be doing to mark Brexit Day? 31st of January for me is a moment of enormous
1: relief. Uh, and I shall be going to a private party of a group of people who were involved in the Vote Leave campaign. And I shall raise a glass of champagne and celebrate that the withdrawal bill has been passed. But much more importantly, I should raise a glass of champagne to the British public because on the 12th of December, they did what 650-odd MPs failed to do over three and a half years. They said, we did mean it, we haven't changed our mind, and now we deliver government with a majority that can implement it. And I thought, aren't they wonderful?